Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 49 and today we're looking at the Holy Spirit and what is that you may say which is probably what the first students of Jesus said when he said to them I'm giving you a gift so I want you to wait because I'm sending you a gift a gift of the Spirit he said giving you a gift it's like oh well what kind of gift well it's a gift that will give you wisdom it's a gift that will give you insight and of course it wasn't just for the first students this is for us too that's why we're interested in this gift it's a gift that will help you understand what's going on in your life and in the world now i overheard a conversation outside a coffee shop on Saturday, it was two people and they were chatting and one was complaining and she said, I just don't understand him. I just don't understand him. And as I walked past, I thought, how often do we use that phrase? How often we hear the phrase, you know, when we maybe we interact with someone we disagree with or we watch someone make a decision or make a choice that we believe is wrong, and you think to yourself, I don't understand that. Or someone with a personality that's very different from us, and we think to ourselves, I don't understand it. Why Why would he even say that? Why would he even think that? You know, we're often perplexed by the way people conduct themselves, or the amount of energy that they put into something. You know, we might see it as a waste of time or it takes maybe way too much time. Why are they putting so much time and energy into this cause or this hobby or this or their work or or maybe their worldview is just very different. You see this in politics a lot, don't you? It's like, "Ah, I don't understand that. I don't understand how people can think that. Or maybe we're a puzzle to ourselves, right? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? I'm going to give you a gift that you need, Jesus said. And it's something that you can use your entire life. The Spirit. The Spirit that leads you into all truth. Yeah, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And our passage is uh, Acts, the book of the Acts, chapter 2. And really, the book of Acts tells you, It's really post-Easter, so it's after Jesus uh, lived on the earth and did all his teaching and then died and then was uh, resurrected. This is all about how the the first students managed, really, um, without him being physically with them. And before he left, he said to them, I want you to wait for this gift. I want you to wait. I'm sending you the Spirit. What was it? Well, they weren't sure. He had said something about it being like clothed with power from on high, which is a nice poetic way of saying it, but it's still not that clear. He said in Luke 24, wait until you've you've been clothed with power from on high. I'm sending you the Spirit. It's a gift. And then in John's Gospel, good news. What's the good news, John? The good news is, he said, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. So we know that it's something about it's being clothed with power from on high, 
whatever that means. It's been given extra power. And it's something that leads us into truth. Bit of a mystery, though, isn't it? What do you use this power for? Well, the first students, no one's really quite sure. So they wait for this gift. They wait. Jesus is gone. Well, he's gone in his usual way of communicating. He's not physically with them anymore because this is after this happens, after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So the first students wait and they pray. And you can read all about this in Acts chapter 2. They're all gathered together in one place and they're basically waiting on this gift. And they wait and they pray for 10 days which isn't actually too long to wait on something. And then on the 10th day, the gift comes. After 10 days of praying, the Holy Spirit comes. Now, for those of you who like words, again, the meaning of this is, and we've looked at this the last couple podcasts, the word is breath. Holy Spirit, spirit, breath, pneuma in New Testament uh, Greek. Breath, wind, soul. So if these first disciples are waiting and they're praying, they're, they're praying like, you know, come Holy Spirit. It's like saying, come breath, come life, come, come Spirit of God. It's a simple prayer, right? And in the book of Acts, let me sh- read a little bit here for you. Here, let me see. translation we have here. I'm standing in the sanctuary and just grabbed a Bible from one of these pews. Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Who's they? That's all the students. That's the believers. There's about 120 of the followers of the way at this point. Suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. So there's Dr. Luke giving us the description, he says, yeah, they, they waited and they prayed. And he said, well, I don't know how to explain it. It was like fire. It was kind of like a, it was like a violent wind and there was flames. It wasn't really a flame, but it looked like that. And it was strong and it was fierce and it was powerful. And we're praying, come Holy Spirit. And, and then this orangey, red, fiery tongues like licked our head. Uh, not really fired, he said. It was like it, but it's hard to put into words, right? It's hard to put into words. What happens when God comes that you feel so close that it's like the breath of God? Well, things change. That's what happens. The world changed. That's what happens. First thing that happened is, is that these first students, they could all understand each other for a start, which is kind of an unusual thing nowadays, right? for people to actually be on the same page and understand one another. The text tells us that they understand one another. They were all gathered in Jerusalem. There was many thousands of people there from many different nations and countries. They all spoke different languages. And suddenly the Spirit comes 
and all the usual barriers disappear. They hear the disciples speak out all about the wonders of God and everyone, and they're Galileans, and everyone hears the message and understands it, which is an unusual thing, right? So there's a unity that's previously unknown, and there's no division. We're all speaking about the wonders of God. We all see what's important and true and good. They're all there together, and they're listening, and there's this unity and clarity and purpose. The Spirit comes. Actually, that's a powerful threesome when you think about it. The Spirit comes, and suddenly the disciples have got unity, clarity, and purpose. Imagine that in a marriage or a partnership. Pretty powerful. Imagine that in a congregation. Unity, clarity, and purpose. We know what is important. We know where we're going, and we're all on the same page. Imagine if you had that in a business. Yeah, it's a huge deal. These disciples, big changes happen once the gift of the Spirit comes. They're actually empowered. I think that's maybe the best way to describe what happens when the Spirit comes. They are empowered. Because, you know, those first students, not, what, eight weeks ago, they're all hesitant and they're cautious and they're all bewildered. They don't know what to do after Easter. They're not really sure what to do. And then the gift of the Spirit comes. And the first thing that happens is, is that Peter stands up in Acts 2 verse 17. He stands up and he said, let me tell you what's happening here. This is what the prophet Joel predicted would come about when the Spirit comes. So basically what Peter is doing is, is that he's seeing these orangey tongues of fire come down. He's looking at the situation and he's giving an interpretation to what is happening, which is really the definition of prophecy. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament, isn't so much a foretelling of the future. It's the ability to look on a situation and see what's real and see what's true and discern what's right. So Joel looks on this situation where the spirits come and everyone can understand one another and they have this clarity and they have this unity. And he says, let me tell you what's happening here. This is exactly what the prophet Joel predicted. 900 years ago, Joel said that the spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh, all flesh. That's pretty inclusive, by the way, when you think about that. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, again, this isn't about fortune telling. This is about looking with accuracy and discernment on particular situations and knowing what's true. Peter says, the spirit will be poured out in all flesh. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Everyone, men and women, young and old. Gender isn't going to stop the spirit. Age isn't going to stop the spirit. They will prophesy. They'll be truth tellers. They will speak out what is true and what the situation needs to hear. The gift of the spirit the gift of prophecy. Yeah, it's a great gift. You know, 
It's like the spirit or the energy of God or the spirit of Jesus. There's, the spirit's got many different names. I don't even know how to explain the Holy Spirit, but the way I think about it is, it's the, in this we live and move and have our being. It's like the God that keeps us and everything held together, <laughs> if that makes any sense. The Spirit brings life and holds it all together. So let me give you a little quick application here. The Spirit gives wisdom, among other things. There's other things the Spirit gives too, but the Spirit gives wisdom to know, to know what's going on, to know what's happening, to know who's telling the truth, to, to see who's lying, to see what path is clear, um, what will not serve you well. The Spirit reveals what God's doing in a situation, right? When to step forward, when to wait, when to guide your kids, when to not guide them, when to guide a friend, when to keep quiet. Prophecy. It's all about what to do today. The Spirit profoundly affected the disciples, but you can especially see it with Peter, because once Peter stepped into this power of the Spirit, the previous weaknesses he had, his fear, his cowardliness, take a step back. I'm not saying that they're not there, I'm saying that they take a step back, and a new brave Courageous Peter leads the way. Yeah, that's the big thing about the Spirit. You know, Peter suddenly finds voice and speaks out what needs to be said, which is prophecy and action. Now remember, this is, the, this is the guy, you know, eight weeks ago, Peter, the disciple, fearful, hesitant, somebody said to him around a fire one night, you know this Jesus of Nazareth, don't you? You know Jesus? Never heard of him. Have no idea who you're talking about, he said. Because he's scared, right? He doesn't want to end up in prison, in jail. Doesn't want to end up on a cross. A couple months later, the gift of the Spirit comes. It's a big change. Shy people become bold. Frightened people become courageous. Discouraged people take heart. Hesitant people are filled with purpose. Bewildered people become sure. All because God breathed on them. All because God breathed on them. I mean, no wonder St. Paul wrote to his congregation, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit, he said. Pray for the breath and the energy and the power of God. Not because you don't have it, by the way. It's more that it reminds us that we, that's what we have and that we want to access it. Paul learned long ago his own strength would run out. Paul learned long ago his own wisdom would be insufficient. The Spirit... It's like the spirit of Jesus. It's like the wisdom of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the light. Scripture says, you know, the people of the way, people who are trying to follow Christ's way, you have the spirit. It's not about getting the spirit that's the problem. 
It's, it's more living in it that's the challenge or walking in it. That's the challenge. Um, we have it, right? If you're breathing, we have it. It's just that we have difficulty accessing it because we're often distracted with other things. Mostly ourselves and our own ego and trying to do things in our own strength. That's the big distraction. Jesus said when, this, when the Spirit leads us into truth, that Spirit will lead us into truth if we're open to that. It's like, well, what do we have to do to be true to ourselves? We have the breath of God. We have the Spirit of God. We have the energy of God. We have what we need. You know, sometimes it's more about not getting in the way. Sometimes it's more about just not messing things up and getting in the way. It's like, what needs to be said that's true? See, for example, like these early students, they didn't let their fear get in the way. You know, sometimes fear can get in the way of speaking out what is true, what needs to be said to a situation. These early students bypassed their usual way of doing things, and the once hesitant Peter says, no, not going to live this way anymore. No more being led by fear. It's like, is that possible? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's what he's modeling here. I think this is what it means to be reborn. Um, we'll talk about that next week in John 3, but I think that's what it means to be reborn. It's like Jesus said, yeah, you need to be born of the Spirit, which means that I'm going to give you another way to live so that you can bypass your usual default, your normal way of doing things. So it's not that Peter and all the others were never fearful or they were never angry or never envious or disappointed or whatever. Of course, of course, they're human, right? But I think what happened was is that they learn how to rely upon a power and a strength that allows them to choose another path, another way to respond to life. And it's, you know, it's interesting, and I mentioned this before, that the first believers or followers, they weren't called Christians, right? They were called followers of the way, right? Remember, Jesus wasn't a Christian, right? Jesus was Jewish. Um, the first people that followed Jesus' way were called followers of the way. What does that look like? Well, it's the way of truth. They see things, they see things as they are, not as they appear to be, which is what Jesus did all the time, right? The way of truth discerns the underlying motivations. Truth doesn't live on the surface. It's not obvious. It's not necessarily obvious. Um, there's a great example, actually, of how wisdom and truth works. It's because it's kind of, it's never that obvious. I'll give you an example of, this is an, this is an ancient text, King Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, long, 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 hundreds of years before Jesus, thousand probably, King Solomon. So the story goes that people traveled for miles and miles and miles to ask King Solomon questions. 
and God gave him the ability to know what was true. In other words, he could judge accurately. He basically operated on this gift of prophecy, King Solomon. And, uh, and this is the gift that God has poured out upon all flesh, which means that we can all access this. This is why it's interesting to us, right? So the story goes with Solomon, that two women came before Solomon, and they, there had been two babies, but one baby had died. And both women claimed to be the mother of this baby. Now, rather than take sides with one or the other, this is the usual way of doing things, right? This is the, the usual way of settling a dispute is, okay, mother number one, you give me your story. Okay, I hear your story. Mother number two, you give me your story. Okay, I hear your story. And then I make a judgment on which side to take. Side mother number one or mother number two. Dualism, right? Who's right and who's wrong? Now, Solomon, because he has this gift of wisdom, because he has this gift of prophecy, because he can judge wisely, doesn't process information this way at all. He takes a completely different way. He said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll cut the baby in two, and you can both have half the baby. And the false mother said, okay, let's do it then. Let's do it. And of course, the real mother said, no. No, give, give, give the other woman the child. So the false mother's basically exposed. Her motives, her heart was seen for what it was. The false mother, she'd rather have the baby die than see, you know, than, 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 than not, not have the child. She'd rather have the baby die than not have that other woman's child. So the example is Solomon had the ability to, to see what was not obvious. And he had the gift to discern what's really going on here. Wisdom is compelling truth. And when Jesus left his disciples, his young church, his followers of the way, it says, I'm giving you the spirit. I'm giving you the spirit of truth that will guide you and all the generations after you right down to 2019. I am giving you, I am breathing on you the spirit of truth and that spirit will guide you into truth. And the spirit will give you the kind of wisdom that Solomon had for whatever you need, for whatever decisions you have to make, whatever choices you have to make, how to deal with particular situations, particular people. Now remember, it'll always be coming at truth through the back door, chances are. It's not gonna be obvious. It's not going to be obvious. It's not going to be a case of one's right and one's wrong and all the rest of it. It's going to be, uh, it's the Spirit of God that's leading here. So it won't necessarily be your usual way of doing things. But Jesus said, I am pouring out my Spirit on all flesh, on all people, men, women, young, old, 
It's like, yes, <laughs> where would you like to see truth? Where would you like to see truth? There's the prayer, there's the heart cry. God, show me your truth. Show me your way. Give me your wisdom. Help me to put my own self, my small self, to the side that I might walk in your way and know what is good and what is true. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. And again, next week, more on the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening.